if you are joining us today, we are um, in the middle, well, just at the beginning, I suppose I should say, two weeks into a series entitled Seek and, and, you, and You Will Find. And what we are doing all the way through Lent is looking at some of the many things Jesus said about the kingdom of God. And we are intentionally kind of pursuing that, trying to lay hold of more of the kingdom of God in our lives. And um, if you were not here last week and haven't yet heard the talk, I'd really encourage you to listen to that. I was speaking about where Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. And so that felt like a real kind of base starting level. And so if you've not heard that, I'd love to encourage you to do that. And if you have not yet started looking at um, the daily devotions, literally through Lent, we're going to look at almost everything Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. And he said a lot about the kingdom of heaven, and it's all good stuff. So thank you to those that wrote those devotions, and I'd love for you to check them out. You can see them on the website or on the app. <coughs> and so today, as we continue this series, I'm very excited because Nikki, my wife, is going to be speaking to us this morning. And so I'm going to just take a moment to boast about my wife. She's going to love this. I have a feeling she usually cracks a few jokes at my expense during the talk. So I'm going to have a <coughs> preemptive strike now. <coughs> no, many of you will know that um, Nikki published a book at the end of last year called Breathe Again, and in, in part about her journey through cancer and how God met her in that, but predominantly to help um, anyone really in times of difficulty to find um, their way through with the help of God and how God actually in the midst of difficulty gives us more in times of less. <coughs> and uh, just super proud of Nikki. She's out. She's had opportunities to go and share this word of encouragement all across the country. And she's got more appointments coming up, more conferences and so on. In fact, it's just great you're here today, Han. Thanks for joining us in this humble little church we have. <coughs> and no, it's great excitement uh, to... to I mean, it was just such fun this week because the audio version of Nikki's book got nominated for an award. She was a finalist in the Audio Book of the Year Awards. And <coughs> so it was great excitement. This time last week, we literally said, thanks very much. Good Sunday. <laughs> we were straight on a plane. We were in New York at this event with all the celebs. Stephen King was getting a Lifetime Award, and we were like, hey, Steve. <laughs> Fortunately, he didn't hear us. <laughs> um, but so exciting to be there, and uh, Nikki didn't come away with the Audi, but we realized what an amazing privilege to be there, and particularly because it just continues to give the book profile an opportunity to, for Nikki to be out there helping folks. And I know you're planning a big conference later this year, online conference, uh, really to help as many people as possible who are struggling uh, in cancer, and where is God in cancer? So we're excited to see how that's coming along. So anyway... Um, She's doing great. God's working powerfully through her life. We're all really proud of you, Nikki. Thanks for joining us. Come on up here. Let's give Nikki a round of applause. <clears throat> Thank you. At least this time he didn't say what he normally says, which is, this is the only time I get to introduce the speaker and say they're really hot. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Oh, thanks. Yes, if, you, if, I, if you've noticed my absence, I, I haven't just been kind of lying in bed on a Sunday morning having breakfast in bed. I have been off and around, and I've, um, it's been a great joy and a privilege to travel around and speak, but I do miss City Church. I do miss my church home family. But I want to start by telling you a story of when I was little, and um, my dad, who um, is a wonderful dad, but he is a bit of a jokester, 
and when I was little, when w so I'm the youngest of three girls, and um, he used to always kind of play little jokes on us and trick us and all these kind of things. And he used to do this thing where we would come up to him and, you know, I'd be kind of coming up to about his hip level and I'd pull on his, you know, his sweater or something and go, Daddy, Daddy, like this. And, and he'd go, he'd look around and go, who's that? Who's that? And I'd go, Daddy, it's me, it's me, it's me. And I'd be jumping up and down. And he'd go, no, there's nothing there. And I'd go, Daddy, Daddy, it's me, me, Daddy, Daddy. And he goes, yeah. And then he'd, then he'd notice me and he goes, oh, who are you? Like this, and I say, it's Nikki, it's Nikki, hello daddy, like this, and he goes, no, I'm sorry, I, I, have I met you? And I go, yes, I'm your daughter, I'm your youngest, I, I come after Claire and Joe, like this, and he tells like, sorry, I'm so sorry, I, I, I'm afraid I don't know you, I've never known you, and he'd walk off, and I'd be kind of going, and there was something in me that was like, he's forgotten who I am, and I would really believe him. And of course, you know, then he'd always come back and say, of course I know you and all this kind of thing. But there was something within me that was like, maybe this time he really has forgotten. Maybe this time he really doesn't know who I am. And I ask this because we, we go, like Al said, we're go going through this series, Seek and You Will Find, and we ha are having quite an amazing year so far, this time with God, and he is really, really on the move. You know, we've been pursuing the kingdom of God, as Al has said. You know, Laura's story is just one of many stories of people encountering and experiencing God in their lives. And that is the kingdom of God here on earth. That is the kingdom of God being laid hold of. You know, and it's exactly why we are pursuing it, this, le this Lent in the daily devotions. In Sunday, we're having a Good Friday service. All these things are to help us lay hold of the kingdom of God. You know, and as Al said, we're looking at everything that Jesus says about the, the kingdom of God. And as Al said, it's all really good. But I like to add that it's quite challenging and provoking as well. It's quite challenging. You know, and today's text is no exception. You know, last week, as Al said, he talked about the kind of entry requirements of the kingdom of heaven and what that means to be born again and how it's about grace and it's not about works and being born again. But we're going to look today at Matthew 7, 21 to 23, which is on page 789 in the church Bibles. And I want to see whether you still feel as comfy after we've read this as you do at the moment. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. This is Jesus talking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of hen heaven but only the one who does the will of the Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And it those kind of words take me right back to that game with my dad and thinking, could God say that to me? Could he mean it? And may for him not be a game, you know, and Al said, you know, we let's be clear about the kind of entry requirements, but maybe I'm not in. Maybe you're thinking, maybe I'm not part of the kingdom of heaven after all. You know, what are we meant to do with a verse like that in scripture? You know, there are verses in the Bible that I'm like, mm, maybe we could leave those out of the Bible. It would be a lot easier. 
But the key within these verses is verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. And even the key part of that key verse is the bit, but only the one who does the will of the Father. Only the one who does the will of the Father. And so it begs the question for each one of us, do you know the will of the Father? And are you doing it? Because this time, it's not a game. This time, it's serious. And you know, the good news is that Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't leave us hanging there, not giving us an answer. He answers the question and tells us what it means to do the will of the Father and what that looks like. And his answer lies in this text, the ongoing verses, but it's much clearer in the parallel section in Luke. So we're going to turn to that. That is Luke 6, 46 to 49, which is on page 873. So Luke 6, 46 to 49. And this again is Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does put them into action is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And I really love this because it's like Jesus is saying, I'm going to show you right now what it looks like to lay hold of the kingdom of God and its promises. Because the kingdom of God, the promises of the kingdom of God is not that stuff won't happen. That's not the promise of the kingdom of God. Laying hold of the kingdom of God does not mean your kid is not going to get bullied. It doesn't mean that your elderly mom isn't going to fall and break a hip and need more care and attention and time and money than you have. It doesn't mean that you won't get dumped by the guy that you thought was the one. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a happy, skippy life, unfortunately. But Jesus does promise us to be there in the storms with us. He didn't say there won't be storms, but he said, I will be in the storms with you. I'm not going to leave you. And even in the storms, he promises us his strength, his peace, his comfort, even his joy in the midst of it. You know, and in this parable, he is painting a picture of what that can look like for all those who are laying hold of the kingdom of God. When life happens, when life comes and like wants to sweep us away and it gets hard, we're not going to crumble and fall. We're not going to get swept away and washed away. And Jesus says it's these people, like the wise builder who've built their house on a rock, these are the ones that are doing the will of the Father. Jesus says these are the people that are doing the will of the Father. And the good news is he tells us what that is. He tells us what doing the will of the Father actually looks like. And it's just three things. Come to me, hear my words, 
and put them into practice. Doing the will of the Father means coming to him, hearing his words, and putting them into practice. So let me ask you again, are you doing the will of the Father? Are you coming to him? Are you hearing his voice? Are you putting into practice what he is saying? And I think so often when we, when we ask ourselves those questions, we kind of go, mm, yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah, maybe. But the trouble is, Jesus doesn't leave us the option of saying, yeah, kind of, sort of. It's a yes, no question. Either we're doing it or we're not. And that's why his words about the kingdom of God are so challenging and so provoking because he doesn't leave us the option of being kind of sort of in, kind of sort of maybe doing it, meh. You know, he's not giving us that option because he says things like this. I will say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. You know, that's like my dad not playing the game. You know, it's not being a game. And this is even when he's saying this, he's addressing it to people who are prophesying, who are casting out demons in his name, people who think they are doing it. You know, and I don't want that to be that person. I don't want us to be like that. And so today, what I really want to do is move us from a place of, yeah, kind of, sort of doing the will of the Father, to being absolutely certain that we are moving in the will of the Father, and we are laying hold of the promises of the kingdom of God. And so I like to think of this as kind of like a recipe principle about, so we're going to think of this today, doing the will of the Father as a recipe principle. And um, I have to tell you that Al and I cook very differently. So we both enjoy food. Here we go. He said I would do it. No, I'm going to be very nice. So we both, like, we both enjoy food. We both enjoy gathering people around the table and hosting. We, we love the fact that we have recipe books on our shelf, and we love looking at the pictures and thinking about what it's going to taste like. But the way we approach recipes is very different. If you don't know about this about Al, He's very organized. He's very meticulous. He pretty much has a spreadsheet for everything. And so he follows the recipe down to the T. So, so one time, it w- this was very early on in our marriage, he decided he wanted to make a surprise dinner for me, and he was going to make me salmon en croute. Now, if you're not familiar with salmon en croute, it's quite a difficult recipe. It has this big, juicy salmon fillet in the, minute, in the middle. Very different. And then around it is this kind of delicious cream cheese, spinach, and shrimp kind of and dill paste. And then it's all encased in this crisp puff pastry. It's absolutely delicious. So Al gets, you know, got the recipe book. He's got he's got all the ingredients lined up, and he's following it meticulously. And at one point, it says to take the the frozen spinach, to thaw it drain off the excess water and add it to the cream cheese. So he drains off the excess water and adds it to the cream cheese. And he's left with this bowl of runny cream cheese thinking, what am I meant to do with the spinach? (laughs) So he followed it. Exactly. He did, in in his defense, he did rally. And um, 
start all over. Bless him. Whereas I, I, go, I kind of I look at the picture and go, oh, that looks so good. And I look at the ingredients and kind of get most of them. And then I kind of start throwing it all in and go, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, give it a stir. Oh, let's double it because, you know, there's a lot in our, our family. And so we approach things very differently. But the thing with the recipe principle when it comes to laying hold of the kingdom of God is that it's not enough to have the book on our shelf. It's not enough to look at the pictures and want to make the meal like that. It's not enough to be inspired and to get the ingredient. It's, and then it's not enough to do things and do them in the wrong order or kind of do them only half-heartedly as I do. The recipe principle it requires us to follow in order and do it all. And it, that's when we, when we are able to t- taste and enjoy the kingdom of God and the promises that God has for us because he's really the master chef when we think about it. And so we can't kind of sort of lay a hold of the kingdom of God. We can't cut corners. We're going to miss out. And so when we think about this recipe principle for the kingdom of God, like I said, it has those three parts to it. And the first is to come to him. The first part of the recipe principle in the kingdom of God is to come to him. So, you know, let me ask you, when you get a promotion, who's the first person you go to? When you get a diagnosis that's scary, who's the first person you go to? You know, when your kid makes a team that they've been trying out for, who's the first person you go to? When you're worried about the mortgage payment, who's the first person you go to? Because Jesus wants him self to be the first person that we go to. The first part of the recipe principle is to come to Jesus. And Jesus says to, for us to come to him. And actually, he says it a lot. He says it a lot. And so do the other New Testament writers. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me and I will give you rest. Let the thirsty come to me. Come in here so your soul may live. Come to him and pray and he will listen. Come to me and I will give you life. And it's not just in the hard times. It's in the good times too. He says, come, follow me. Come, let us rejoice. Come, let us reason together. He's saying, come, come to me, come to me. He said, come to me in the big stuff. Come to me in the small stuff. Come to me in the everyday stuff. Come to me in everything in between. Come to me. That's what he's saying. And you know, you might be sitting here thinking, well, you know, I I came to Jesus when I came to faith and I come to church. Um, And so I kind of, you know, I come to Jesus, you know, and it's easy to think that, you know, coming to Jesus is a one and done deal. But, you know, often in the Bible, the word come is actually translated as follow because it's an ongoing thing. We are meant to do it repeatedly time and time again. And coming to him for the first time and coming to church, you know, is only part of it. We're not just coming him to, to him to be saved, but we're coming to him for our relationships, for guidance, for shelter, for provision, for hope, for peace, for comfort. We're coming to him day by day, minute by minute. You know, there isn't a time or situation in our lives when he's not saying, come to me, come to me first. Come to me in the good and the bad and the ugly. But, you know, so many of us, you know, we, we don't come to Jesus because, first of all, we just we pr- might not even think about it. It doesn't even cross our minds. 
And sometimes we don't come to him because, you know, our biggest gift in life is that we are strong, make it happen, independent people. But that's our biggest problem as well. We are strong, independent, make it happen people. And we don't need to come to Jesus with our things. You know, and we say, but I don't want to bother him. I don't want to bother him. You know, it's just my little thing. You know, he's got bigger things to, to worry about in the world. And when I think about coming to Jesus, I always think about the disciples in the boat with Jesus when they go out onto the lake with him. And suddenly this squall, this storm comes up out of nowhere. And the Bible says that it's threatened to, to swamp them and to drown them. And the, the disciples are, are absolutely terrified. And if you think about it, these are weathered fishermen. They knew how to, t uh, to handle the kind of um, unpredictable weather on the lake. And so for them to be scared, it must have been pretty bad. And so they see that Jesus is actually sleeping. And so they go to him and they say, Jesus, we're going to drown. And I love that they went to him first. And I think, gosh, if I'd have been in that boat, I'd have probably, you know, the Bible would read, and Nikki saw that the squall, you know, they were going to drown. And she was absolutely terrified. So she took down the mainsail. She sent up a distress flag. She started to bail out. She found the, you know, the, the instruction manual. And she checked the weather app on her phone. And then that fell overboard. And eventually, she noticed that Jesus was actually in the boat with her. So she kind of went up to him and was like, um, Jesus, I, I hate to bother you, but, you know, it's kind of a storm, and I'm kind of scared, but would you mind awfully helping? But, you know, I don't want to bother you. You know, I, I wouldn't go to him first because I wouldn't even notice he's there, and then I'd try to fix it myself, and then, you know, I'd hate to bother him. How often do we do that when he says, come to me, come to me, come to me when life is good, Come to me when life is bad. Stop trying to fix it for yourself. If we really want to lay hold of the kingdom of God, we must start by coming to him continuously. That is the first step in the recipe principle. And the second one is to come to him and then hear his words. Hear his words. But let's be honest. Hearing God is tricky. Hearing God's voice is just plain tricky. And let's be clear, we're not just talking about us coming to him and us praying our words to him, which is great, but it's not the full story. This is about coming to him and hearing what he has to say to us. And that's why it can be so tricky. You know, do you know what God is saying to you today? Do you know what he's saying to you right now in this season of your life? It's so tricky, isn't it? It's just so tricky. I remember when I was diagnosed with cancer, you know, I, I, it felt like there were so many voices speaking to me, so many things that I was hearing. You know, I had my doctor, and even then I had my oncologist, I had my radiologist, I had my general practitioner, I had all these people, and then there were people telling me that I needed to drink this green juice, I needed to stop eating sugar, I needed to, you know, just lay hold of my healing, I needed to get active, I needed to stop being active. You know, I, there was so much going on, and then there was stuff in my own head, the fears and the worries that were going on. You know, that, oh, maybe my God is mad. You know, my head was a noisy place. You know, and that's why it's so tricky. 
to hear what God is saying when we come to him. And often we, ta- we teach here at City Church about hearing God's voice. And we talk about how in our, in our minds there are four voices that are speaking to us. There's the world, there's our own minds, and there's the enemy, and then there's God. And so we have to tune in to what God is saying and tune out everything else. We have to tune out everything else. But we can hear his voice. Every single one of us can hear his voice because we're all his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd's voice. We can hear it. It's just tricky. But Jesus says, come to me and listen, tune in, because what you tune into is what you turn out like. What you tune into is what you turn out like. He says, come to me. You know, and the people who grasp that, the people who are laying hold of that, as Jesus said, are the ones who are building their house on a rock. The ones that are people like Laura who are saying, it's tricky, but I'm going to come to him. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. And that's when we find life. That's when we lay hold of the promise of the kingdom of God. Because his voice always brings life. One of um, my readers emailed me because I had sent out an email about, um, about hearing God's voice and, and how we can do that in the midst of really hard times. And she emailed back and said, I, was r- I went to God and I listened. And she said, I was really hoping for kind of in explicit instructions on what to do next. And I heard him say, just be still and rest with me. And she said, actually, that's really what I needed to do. And that is what the kingdom of God looks like in the middle of the storm. You know, some of you might be listening to words that tell you, you know, if you, if you just work harder, slim down, get the man, whatever it is, then you'll be secured, then you'll be loved. But Jesus says, I love you because of who I am and what I've done, not because of anything you are or you've done. In me, you find your security. You know, some of you might be listening to the enemy that says that Jesus doesn't care about you, that he's forgotten about you, that he's not interested, that you're not good enough. But Jesus says, I will not love you and never, ever forsake you. I have numbered every hair on your head. You know, and some of you might be saying to yourself, you know, I've been wronged, I've been hurt, I'm so angry, I'm so hurt. Where is the justice? And Jesus is saying, Forgive as I have forgiven you. You know, we have to come to him no matter what life is going on around us. We have to come to him and we have to hear his words for us. And so the third part of our recipe ingredient is not only coming to him and hearing his words, but then on top of that, putting them into practice, putting them into practice. It's all very well to come to him and it's all very well to listen to him and those are really, really good things. But if we don't put them into practice, we are not going to lay hold of the kingdom of God. We're not going to to experience God breaking in. We're not going to lay hold of it and experience those promises that he has for us. We're not going to taste the goodness of the recipe that he has for us. And it always makes me think of the parable in uh, Matthew 21, where Jesus tells the parable of the two sons. You might remember that um, he tells this story of a man who has two sons, and um, he asks the first one um, to to go and work in the vineyard. And the the boy hears his dad um, and says, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll do it. And then he doesn't do it. 
And then the other son hears his dad ask him to go and work in the fields, and he says that he's not going to do it, but then he eventually does do it. And Jesus tells this parable to the Pharisees, and he's making the point that those who do the will of the Father are the ones who are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, and then again, Paul emphasizes this again to us, putting it into words, putting um, into words what we are meant to, to do in the kingdom of God by encouraging us to not just be hearers of the words, but uh, of the word, but doers of the word. That's in James 1. Not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And he says that when we do that, we're actually going to be blessed, blessed by encountering the kingdom of God. The challenge is, I think, that we, we think about, okay, well, I've got to do the will of God. I've got to do what the Word says. Oh, my goodness, it says I've got to do so much. And we get so overwhelmed because if we think about it, you know, we've got to love our neighbor. We've got to forgive one another. We need to give to the poor. We need to fast. We need to pray. We need to make disciples of ordinations. That's not a small job. You know, we've got to look after widows. We've got to visit those in prisons. We've got to forgive others, clothe the needy. The list goes on and on, and we can be like, oh, my goodness, I just can't do it all. You know, but this is where the recipe principle really, really helps us because what happens is that Jesus is leading us step by step on an individual journey. So he is leading you in a different way to the way he is leading the person next to you. You know, when we come to him and we listen, he is taking us on a journey. And so then what we hear and what he's asking us to do is an individual calling. And it's l he's leading us into gradual transformation on a gradual journey with each one of us. You know, when we're with him in relationship and we are listening to what he's saying, we just start naturally putting into practice what he has for us. And it becomes fruit of our relationship, not a requirement of our relationship. So it becomes this natural outpouring that, yet, yeah, there's the general stuff we need to do. You know, because but he's always saying there's more. I want to release you in your gift. I have purpose for you. I want to show you the kingdom of heaven in what I have called you to do. And I want you to come alive in that. You know, and when we're following the recipe principle, if you like, it's like it, it is. It's fruit that comes out of this journey as opposed to one of the rec requirements of this journey. And we start to know and hear what those pieces are. So you might have heard uh, me, me say this before, but, you know, when we came over here, gosh, nearly 14 years ago um, to Plant City Church, I really w struggled with the fact that I didn't have a thing. Like, I wasn't a worship leader, and I wasn't a children's worker or a youth worker. And um, so I did everything from kind of clean the loos to lead the you know, the babies to do the kids' ministry. I just turned my hand to anything. But I always, always like, God... What do I, what, you know, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I, I want a thing. What's your calling for me? What's your purpose? And, you know, slowly as I went through this cancer journey, it became clear. He started to speak to me about sharing my story with others. And it's as if this has become um, his call for me. And it's, and it's as if it has just become the fruit of this journey. So when we are coming to him and we are hearing his voice and we are putting into practice what he puts in front of us, that's when the kingdom of God 
we are able to lay hold of it and we see his promises. You know, he says that there's no alternative to that. We need to lay hold of the kingdom of God. We must do what Jesus is calling to us to say. And I really think when Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I used to think, well, that sounds like a bit of a despot person kind of there. It's like, if you love me, you'll do this. But I think what he's saying, if you love me, obeying my commands will just be a natural outflowing of you be and me being in relationship and the fact that we love each other. The commands will just be something that you want to do because you know it will bring you life. You know that when you do what I say, you will be building your house on a rock, which will mean that when the floods come and the torrents come, it will not be washed away. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, if you love me, you'll do this. He's saying, if you love me, this is what will happen. And so we will build our life on a foundation that it is him, that is the rock. It will be the kingdom of God here on earth. And um, it won't be perfect, but in it we will find strength and hope and peace and we won't be shaken. That's the recipe principle for encountering the kingdom of God. But like I said, it's no good if the recipe stays in the book. It's no good if we only do part of it. We need to do all things. And as, the, as it says in that piece in, the, in, um, in Luke, he says, I will show you what it looks like. I will show you what it looks like. And it looks like a man or a woman building a house on a rock that won't be shaken. And maybe a bit, you're a bit like me. I kind of look, think about that parable, that story that Jesus says. And I kind of, if I'm honest with myself, and if you know me, I'm kind of pathologically designed to be honest. Poor Al, I am really, I can't, yes, I'm too honest sometimes. But I kind of think that, yeah, I probably have half of my house built on a foundation on the rock and half of it that, yeah. Not so much. It's as it almost as if, you know, I'm willing to come to him and hear his voice and put it into practice in some areas of my life, but maybe not in all areas of my life. There are some areas that I'm like, yeah, it's hard coming to you with that, God. It's hard. You know, maybe for you it's your kids or your finances or your relationships, but is there a part that of your life that you, you're like, actually that's quite hard for me to come to you because what Jesus is saying is come to me with all of your life. Come to me with all of your life because I want the kingdom of God in all of your life. I want all of your life to be built on the foundation because I don't want any of your life to be washed away. So as we close, let me ask you, there are two things that you can do in response you know, if you are feeling like you are in the middle of a storm right now and the, w the waves are crashing down and the floodwaters are rising and you're worried you're going to be swept away, can you come to him? Can you hear his voice? And can you put it into practice? But maybe life's not like that for you at the moment. Maybe life is pretty solid right now for you and you, you, d you don't feel like your life is being shaken. You feel like it's pretty good. Can you come to him? Can you hear his voice? And can you put it into practice? Because it's there that we encounter the kingdom of God here on earth. It's there when Jesus is able to bring us life and life in all its fullness, which is a life in excess and overflowing.
So as we think about that, maybe you can, we can stand, and I can ask the, the band to come up.